Hello and greetings, friends. It is the weekend of Sunday, September the 17th. Today we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And hopefully we're going to glean the fact that Jesus is trustworthy. What does it mean to believe someone, to trust someone, to have confidence in who they are and what they can do? When Annie, my daughter, was very young, she believed and had complete confidence that I would catch her every time she jumped in the water towards me. She would jump with no warning. She never said to me, hey, I believe you will catch me. The way I knew her belief was real, her trust was genuine, and her confidence was strong was by watching her jump off the pool deck or the wildcat lake dock at me. It is a childlike faith that she had in me. It's, it's one thing to stand on the pool deck and have confidence in me. It's another thing to jump off. And if we say we are a believer in Jesus, how do we know that we have real faith? How do we demonstrate our trust? How is our confidence in Jesus confirmed in our life? It's one thing to sit in church and to say we believe. It's quite another thing to live that on a Monday at home or at work or in our relationships. And that's what we're going to think about today. We're going through the Gospel of Mark, of course, and Mark is introducing us to Jesus. And so far, we've learned that we're, we're going to get to know Jesus as the suffering servant who came to live, to die, resurrect, and, and come again for those who trust him for salvation. And we've already seen some lessons from the baptism of Jesus, his encounter with Satan in the wilderness. And now we come to the point where Jesus is beginning to preach and teach about the kingdom of God. So we pick up with the life of Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, which says, Later on, John was arrested. Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Again, from the New Living Translation. So let's walk ourselves through these two verses and see what God says to us. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. Mark begins by saying, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee. Between verses 13 and verses 14, about six months to a year has passed. Jesus has been in Judea, ministering there, even cleansed the temple. And and John 2, 13 through chapter 4, 3 recounts some of these events. And Mark picks up the life and ministry of Jesus after John was arrested, an event he will describe in more detail in chapter 6. It was after John the Baptist's arrest that Jesus began his public preaching and miracles in Galilee. At this point, there are a couple things that we need to seriously consider. First of all, following Jesus takes courage. Think about it. John was put into prison. That was his reward for becoming a spokesperson for the front man for God. Sometimes when we serve God, our, our life does not end up where we thought it would. In in Hebrews chapter 11, we read about those who had faith in God and served God and spoke for God. In in verse 7, we read that it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Then in verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. Hebrews 11 goes on, And it goes on and on, listing one person after another of how they acted in faith toward God. And by the time we get to verse 32, we read this. How much more do I need to say? It would would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God promised them. 
They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death, verse 32 through 35. And I wish I could stand here and tell you that if we walk by faith in Jesus, that's how it's going to always end. But there are those who, when they walked by faith, something different happened. Hebrews 11 goes on to say in verse 35, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. It's verse 35 through 37. John the Baptist fell into the latter category. He did exactly what God wanted him to do, said exactly what God wanted him to say, and he ended up in prison, and eventually will have his head cut off. Following Jesus takes guts. It takes bravery. It takes courage. When we follow Jesus, there will be some who will love us for it, and there will be some who will not. We will be blessed and hated. We will most certainly be under mis, we will be understood and misunderstood. But stay faithful. Be strong. It doesn't matter what people say to us or do to us because of our love for Jesus, regardless of where our faith in God takes us. Whether our faith takes us to the mountaintop or to the valley, whether our faith causes people to love us or hate us, bless us or hurt us, we have to remember Hebrews 13, 5. God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can pray with confidence. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Verse 5 through 7. Regardless of where our faith takes us, God is going to use us. God used John the Baptist, and God will use us. And the second thing we need to understand is that following Jesus recognizes others will replace us. God's kingdom and God's message will always have its representatives and spokespeople. God brought John the Baptist onto the scene, and when his time was up, Jesus arrives to continue God's plan. God has always worked like that. God brought Moses onto the scene to deliver God's people, and then to finish the journey, God brings Joshua. God had Elijah, and then Elisha shows up. God used Paul, then along comes Timothy. God brings in one leader and moves another one on. God is not going to let his message vanish or fade away. He will never have his people, or he will, excuse me, he will always have his people where they need to be saying what they need to say. So when we think about John the Baptist doing his ministry and then Jesus showing up, I can't help but think how God uses one person and then another. And God has worked like this since he created people. This tells me that I don't have to do it all and neither do you. We do what God wants us to do when our ti- and when our time is over, God will have someone pick up where we left off. Where he preached the good news, God's good news. Let's look back to that. Mark goes on to say later on john was arrested jesus went into galilee where he preached god's good news the gospel is called god's good news because it comes from god about god and brings us to god this good news is the gospel that brings forgiveness restoration new life 
So let's take a minute and think about this, about this gospel, this good news. Romans chapter 1, 16 through 17 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. The, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. There's power in the gospel and the good news about Jesus Christ. People from every generation and every nation who have heard this good news have come to believe it and follow Jesus because of it. It it transforms lives. It changes directions and values and gives hope. And when we see the good news of God at work, we are getting a glimpse of the power of God at work. Romans 10, 16, not everyone welcomes the good news. You see, not everyone will believe it. Not everyone will accept it, but that doesn't mean that we quit sharing it. The good news will always be worth sharing, worth supporting and living. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, the devil will do everything he can to blind, to confuse people about the gospel. He's not interested in us or anyone embracing God's good news. For Satan, this is an all-out war against God and God's people, even though he's already lost. Ephesians 2, 17 through 18, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. This gospel is called good news of of peace because it brings peace between us and a holy God. Ephesians 3, 7, by God's grace and and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And by God's grace, the power that people like you and me get to tell others about Jesus and what he has done in our lives and what he can do in their life. Philippians 1, 27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. The the good news is is about being rescued and saved from our sins. However, it's so much more than that. It's about living as citizens of heaven who happen to be living at least temporarily on earth. We want to live in a manner worthy of the good news. Colossians 1, 6, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Somewhere in in the world today, someone is hearing the gospel, and it's making sense to them for the first time, and they will give their life to Christ. Their life is about to take a major change, and, and who knows what God will call them to do. How was the good news delivered? Mark says it was preached, whether it was declared and proclaimed from a pulpit, down by a river, under a tree, in someone's house, to one person over lunch, or to thousands at one time. God has used the preaching of his word to spread the gospel. This is so important that before Mark ends his account of God's good news, he reminds us of what Jesus said in Mark sixteen fifteen: Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. We live and move in a broken world. People around the world are responding to this differently. Some are responding well, and some are not. But as God's people, we must live, behave, and speak as citizens of heaven. 
This means pray for the leaders who are making decisions. Speak well of them. They're having to make tough decisions that affect a lot of people. Live and speak like citizens of heaven. This means respect the emotions and fears of others. Don't mock or belittle others because they are afraid. Live and speak like citizens of heaven. It means protect and care for our neighbors. This means look for opportunities to bring God into the conversation. God is still in charge. He is still in control. Nothing takes God by surprise. Live as citizens of heaven. Amen. And God bless.